Oh, we're back up and running. I'm just going to embrace the awkward silence for a moment. Awkward silence for a few moments. It's loading, loading. I just have such a powerful image to show you to start the message today. I'm just waiting. Technology, I'll tell you. All right, where well, the awkward silence has won. So I'm just going to go ahead and and get started. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I did not do that. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Just face the music. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Yes, you are. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. No one's denying it. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile. Mr. Grinch, given the choice between you, I'd say the seasick crocodile. How many of you have seen this and know this and love this? This song was written in 1966, believe it or not, by a man named uh, Theodore uh, Geisel, aka Dr. Seuss. He wrote it in 1957, actually. The song was written in 66, but was performed uh, eventually by a man who I always thought was James Earl Jones, but I was wrong, um, is um, a guy named Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, who also was the voice of Tony the Tiger. Uh, so he was great. He was a great guy. So this 26-minute short film of How the Grinch Stole Christmas was first put on air. It first aired on CBS on December 18th of 1966. And since then, it's gone from network to network, and it's on TV quite a bit now. And if you haven't seen this particular version, there's different movies and all now, and even, even a new one this, uh, this year that's in theaters now. But this short film... Uh, the original here, it's kind of the story of how a Grinch, this Grinch is trying to steal Christmas, really. He's trying to take away Christmas from the townsfolk of Whoville. And the Who people are the ones who live, you guessed it, in Whoville. So he lives in this little mountain getaway up top on Mount Crumpet. And every Who person that lived in Whoville loved Christmas. They just absolutely loved it. But the Grinch did not love Christmas. He hated Christmas. And it wasn't because his shoes were a little too tight or his head wasn't on just right or however it goes, but that wasn't his issue. His issue was a heart issue, wasn't it? It was because his heart was two sizes too small. He had no joy. He hated the who people. He hated Christmas. And he's trying to find a way to stop Christmas from happening. 
He's trying to find a way to, to get rid of it. And he comes up with the bright idea of stealing Christmas. So he wants to steal their presents. He wants to steal their trees. He wants to steal their food and, and the Christmas feast and all this stuff. I mean, it's like major, major hatred. He doesn't want to hear their singing. He's been putting up with it for 53 years or whatever it was. And so he puts together this kind of Santa Claus disguise outfit. And he decides that he's also going to dress up his dog. Do you remember the dog's name? Max, yeah. So he dresses up Max like a reindeer, and he begins to, to go and steal Christmas. And he takes the sleigh, and he goes into one house, and a little girl whose name was Cindy Lou, and, he catch, and Cindy Lou catches the Grinch stealing. And he makes up a story, right? And he says, oh, you know, I'm just... I'm just, uh, this tree needs a little fixing, so I'm just here to do that. And eventually he steals that, and he steals everything. He steals all of Christmas, and he ends up taking all that he stole, and he pushes it to the top of this mountain to never be seen again as it goes off to the abyss and to the other side. And in the midst of this, he's about to ruin it all. Everything that, he, uh, that Christmas represents is on that sleigh. Or is it? And you know, in this season of Advent, as we uh, journey together, as I shared with uh, the children this morning, Advent comes from a um, Latin word, Adventus. And really what it means is coming or visit. So we take these four Sundays um, and we conclude the season of Advent on Christmas Eve. And it also marks the beginning of the church year. The beginning of the church calendar actually begins in Advent. Um, so you can really mess with people if you say Happy New Year now, because it's kind of the beginning of the church year as we begin this season. That leads to Christmas Day. And in Advent, we not only remember the reality that Christ was born in a manger and that Christ has come, and we remember that reality once again, but in Advent, we also take time uh, to also remember that Christ will come again, which also is, is, a, is a part of Advent that often... Uh, is missed. We not only remember the story of the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ, but we remember in Advent that we're, we're currently in this season where we anticipate where Christ will come again. And that's where we are in human history, is that we remember this moment and as we prepare ourselves for Christ's second coming. And for each Sunday in Advent, I want to take a moment to look at um, Christmas movies in the midst of, of these sermons in Advent and what these uh, Christmas movies that most likely are familiar to many of us, what they can teach us about the true meaning of Christmas. Because movies in a lot of way are like modern day parables. You know, Jesus told stories that illustrated a point and, and if we pay attention enough when we watch movies and different things, we can, we can find moments and glimpses of is there anything about the gospel that relates to this movie or about this story? You know, movies with the redemption or grace or forgiveness. There's, there's kind of themes in the midst of them. And uh, I hope to do that this Advent season uh, to share some of those Christmas movies that are pretty popular and what they teach us about the true meaning of Christmas, but also what do they teach us about being disciples of Jesus Christ? And today, uh, in the scripture reading, the gospel reading in particular was an interesting one for the first Sunday of Advent, coming from the, the gospel of Luke. And at glance, uh, it, can be, it can be very odd. 
And it's a scripture that talks about how there will be a day where there's signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and there's distress in the nations and people are fainting from fear about what's coming upon the world and the heavens will be shaken. The Son of Man will come on a cloud with power and glory. So stand up, raise your heads, redemption is drawing near. And to that you might think, wow, Merry Christmas to you too, Jake. Merry Christmas. It's not the most expected scripture for the first Sunday of Advent, is it? It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's different. Uh, there's another slide here with a painting I want to show. This is a painting from um, um, Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh from 1889, arguably his most famous painting called The Starry Night. His dad was a Dutch pastor, and he himself, um, even for a season, proclaimed good news to, to the poor among him. And um, in the background of this painting, he's, he's, this painting is based off of the scripture that I read from, from Luke uh, 21. And you can see kind of in the, um, uh, there's a church steeple in the little town there that he uh, painted. And you'll also notice um, in the foreground, you'll see like a flame-like image that connects the earth to the sky. And some art historians um, think that this is a cypress tree, which in, in the 1800s would have been very much correlated uh, with um, the cypress would be correlated with graveyards and death and, and mourning and things like that. So that could, be, that could be why he put that. But as art kind of has its way, people see the painting differently. Some may see the painting as very daunting and, and kind of maybe scary, and others may see it as beautiful. And I don't know about you, but I always have uh, a fascination with... with um, stars and the moon and sun and the sky and things like that. So when I first saw it, I thought it was beautiful. I thought um, it was a beautiful picture of a town and a beautiful sky and these sorts of things. And uh, this is the way he uh, painted based off this scripture. And uh, like his painting on scripture can cause different reactions, the scripture that I read can also cause dif different reactions uh, as well this morning. And what's important to know is that, all, and a lot of, uh, in Scripture, uh, sometimes we see writing that's called apocalyptic uh, writing. It's a genre that's, that's written. It's apocalyptic literature, and it's very symbolic. And um, earlier in the chapter, Jesus is really discussing the impending doom of Jerusalem, at, which ended up happening a few decades after his death and resurrection in 70 AD. And uh, he's talking about that, but then it seems like he kind of shifts a little bit but just as the fig tree in the scripture, you know, the, the fig tree is when you start to see that change, you know that summer is drawing near. And, and just as the fig tree can be a reminder, there's also um, a reminder in this scripture that Jesus is, is love. We're reminded that, that Jesus is that reminder for us that we are loved and that God is with us and that Jesus reminds us that we have seasons of pain here and now but we know that that's not forever. We know how the story ends. So we live out the kingdom here and now, and we prepare for that moment where Christ will come again. And this scripture this morning that's been read is, is really a scripture of hope and anticipation. It's not a scripture of fear or damnation. And this season, after all, is a season of hope and expectation. That's what the season of Advent is. And it can impact our hearts in many different ways this season that leads to Christmas, in powerful ways. It can impact our hearts and, and grow us in our love for God and neighbor. And after all, this heart issue is, is what happened to the Grinch, isn't it? 
Isn't this how uh, the Grinch began to change? Because in the moment in the, in the, um, how the Grinch stole Christmas, just as he's about to destroy all that he stole, he expects to hear cries of hurt and pain from the people of Whoville, right? He expects that. But what does he hear instead? He hears joy. He hears singing. And the Grinch began to think, you know, these people in Whoville, they had no ribbons. They had no bags. They had no boxes. They had no tags. And the Grinch thought to himself, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. But maybe after all, Christmas means a little bit more. And in that moment, his heart grew. His heart grew three sizes. There was transformation in the life of the Grinch. He repented and he brought back all that he had taken and he was, he was welcomed into that community that he once despised, that he once wanted nothing to do with. He ate with them. And here's how the story can relate to us in many ways, but one way is that in this, in this season of Advent, God could use your joy to change someone else's heart. God can use your joy and you can reflect Christ in such a way that it can impact the hearts of others. Because for me, this story of how the Grinch stole Christmas is all about how a community of people changed the heart of an individual. Could Whoville possibly be an image of the church? And as people of the church and as followers of Christ, yes, we, you know, it's nice to get presents and to know people are thinking of us, but, but ultimately we don't need them. Most of the presents most of us receive at Christmas, they're, they're nice, but they're not most likely things that we need for our survival. In the church, a people, we, that we would be that people who choose to be joyful and to celebrate the life of Christ. And maybe your actions this time of year are a little bit grinchy. Maybe you live with grinchy family members. Maybe you're around grinchy people at the workplace. What will your reaction this Advent season be to them? Will you join in on the Grinch party? Or will you model the people of Whoville? Will you be joyful and loving in the midst of it all? Because maybe, just maybe, God will use your love and God will use your joy to impact the live, lives of people around you that don't experience that love and that joy in this moment. I just love this story because of the actions of the people that they helped change the Grinch. They were just living as they felt called to live. They didn't know the Grinch was watching them. They weren't being fake. They weren't trying to impress others. They were just being themselves, which reminds us and tells us you never know who's watching. You never know the people that may be impacted by the way that you live as Christ would live in the world. They may see you. They may see an action of love and compassion you show, you show to somebody else. And you may never meet them or talk to them, but they may remember that. And God might plant a seed in their heart. You don't know who's watching. It was the hearts of the people. That's what Christmas was about. It was about their joy and their singing. And the Grinch could have never stolen that. He may have stolen the material things. But that's not what it meant to them. Because they were still joyful. And they were still singing. And no one can steal 
that love and hope that we have in Christ. No one can steal that peace that passes all understanding, as Scripture reminds us. And as I think more about this little short film, to me, it's not so much a story of how the Grinch stole Christmas, but rather it's a story of how Christmas changed the Grinch. Christmas changed him. Something about the love and embrace changed him. You know, this week, uh, our daughter Elizabeth turned two, and many of you are parents or grandparents, you kind of know that feeling of, um, you know, how is this possible, or, you know, life's flying by, and how are they growing so much, I just felt like you're born, and all these things, and um, I'm starting to understand that now, because even in high school, you know, I remember people like, oh, I remember when you were little, and I'm like, that was forever ago, you know, and but now I can understand how all of a sudden kids are in high school and middle school and it's like, what? Like, how did that happen? And for me, it was, it was neat. You know, we had a little, we had some family over and things like that and she opened presents and was really interested in those things and, and loved some of those uh, moments. Um, but I think about um, how sometimes I still feel like she's that, you know, a little baby that I was carrying around the house or um, you know, patting on the back or whatever. And now she's running around and talking and she screams, uh, daddy, when I come in the door. And that's just like, you know, makes me just want to fall over and cry. It's just amazing. But so much has changed so fast. And whether I was ready or not, she was turning too. And whether I'm ready or not, she'll be going to kindergarten or whatever it is. And, and I might not be ready for that, but it's going to happen. Her birthday happened whether I was ready for it or not. And Advent has come whether you and I are ready for it or not. Christmas is coming whether we are prepared or ready for it or not. Christmas came whether the Grinch was prepared for it or not. But yet, even though he thought he was going to do one thing, something else happened. His heart began to change our God is full of surprises. Be on the lookout this Advent season because God just might surprise you when you least expect it. You may find that God's presence is with you in each moment, and that may cause your heart to grow bigger and bigger and expand your love and compassion for God and others. And I pray that this season of Advent is one that leads us to Christmas Day with hope and joy and peace as we rem remind ourselves each week the true meaning of this season and that this season will change us in a way where we really do prepare for it and we don't get caught up in the hustle and bustle and rushing from here to there and we all have things to do but that we take time to reflect and remember this season that we're in that leads to the birth of Christ. So let us prepare our hearts let us open ourselves up to what God might want to do in our lives this Advent season.